Welcome everybody to the inaugural episode of MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, coming to you from Laguna Niguel, California. And it has been a long, long, long hiatus. What a long, strange trip it's been. It must have been since April 2013, since last time I was on the air under the name of the ULT MMA podcast. Uh, for Tommy Misano, my previous partner, and before that we were the Nicoa MMA show and Nicoa MMA podcast. So it was a couple of different names, actually the DJ MMA show as well. So I've had at least three distinct different show names over the course of three years, in which time I brought you primarily uh, MMA uh, based content, a little bit of jiu-jitsu, but mostly uh, mostly MMA. And um, during that uh, time frame, uh, I was pretty close to, in proximity to the Jackson camp, did a lot of uh, interviews and work uh, with uh, the Jackson camp, the fledgling Mean One MMA team, which then became Luttrell's MMA and now Luttrell Yi, and they are coaching uh, Claudia Gadelia. Uh, my uh, former team, but still always family down in Brazil, Kimura Novunyao, where Claudia herself comes from, Jusia Formiga, Hanan Baral, and the Mestre, who is now the head coach at Power MMA, Jair Lorenzo. Many of you have seen him cornering uh, the likes of those three fighters. Uh, now I'm with Gracie Baja out here in California under Felipe de la Monica. And uh, new BJJ family, but uh, once family, always family. Uh, no more MMA for me, but uh, I did want to uh, begin talking again about MMA because I think I have a unique perspective on the sport. I have some takes that I think are a little bit different than everybody else, some insights I believe that are unique and different than everybody else, and I felt like uh, there were people that would want to hear them based on the some of the responses I get on Twitter. Um, so before, let me just get into really quickly who am I, since this is an inaugural podcast, um, I may in the future have a co-host. I do have somebody in mind who is a brilliant mind for MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. Um, but uh, I'm going to leave that uh, in the vault right now. Uh, but he is going to come on air. Um, and, and we'll just see. I don't, I, I don't want to uh, mention who it is right now because I haven't asked him yet. But... Um, but I do have somebody in mind that is very smart, very funny, and has an enormous insight on BJJ and MMA. He's a brilliant uh, practitioner. Anyway, who am I? So DJ San Marco, retired U.S. Air Force uh, flight engineer, former aviator in the Air Force, uh, 21 years. And at the end of my career, I was fortunate enough to be asked to join an MMA squad of Air Force guys as a training partner at 42 years old. And from there, I got into the sport a little bit and got to train and know what it's like to be part of a team, to get hit. And I was also a coach of that team as well because as it became time for the guys to fight all of whom were in their 20s they didn't have a coach so I 
taught myself and tried to figure out how to coach these guys and strategize. And I studied and looked at what their strengths and weaknesses were. And we ended up going 2-1 and one on the night. Um, and even the one that lost made it to a decision with a guy who had had something like seven or eight fights or something like that, and this was his first time ever in a cage. So I thought uh, we did very well. But anyway, that led to eventually I met Coach Chris Luttrell, who was coaching at Jackson's MMA and also had started his own gym with Mike Winklejohn and Keith Jardine called Mean One MMA. And through interviewing him for this podcast that we're talking about, um, I ended up becoming something of a strategist with Chris. And through that, I got to strategize for a lot of different fights, Um, UFC fights, Bellator fights. I actually got to corner uh, once in Bellator. Um, I cornered some local fights. But basically, that's what... So if you're wondering, like, what credentials do I have to talk about MMA, I guess as much as anybody. A lot of journalists, a lot of people haven't trained, and they don't necessarily need to train to be an analyst of the sport. It doesn't mean that you can't analyze just because you haven't done it, but it does help. And I have at least trained and know what it's like, and I've also been a strategist, and I've strategized for... Um, several different fights, 10, 20 different fights. I don't even remember um, from Keith Jardine when Coach Luttrell was coaching him. Other um, trainers um, uh, through uh, Coach Chris Luttrell, I did uh, game plans with him. It was not something that was public or I spoke with the fighter. It was basically me speaking with the coach, watching tape, and coming up with strategies. I've helped with Claudia, with Jussier, with uh, many different fighters, uh, Honey Marks, um, a lot of different fighters that are uh, in and around both Novignal, uh Kimura, and um, and some of the uh, Jackson Luttrell guys, etc. So I'm not trying to blow up my own horn, but just kind of giving you an idea that I do have some acumen in strategy. I'm not on the level of a Patrick Wyman or somebody or a Connor Rebush and I wouldn't pretend to be nor am I probably maybe even on the level of a, I'm not even on the level of a Shawan Humes when it comes to striking but I'm pretty good at developing some overall strategies and finding some weaknesses and looking for some overall themes to build upon um, for a fight strategy um, so that's who I am. Coach Luttrell is like my brother still to this day, and I do have that bias, and I will never try to hide that. So uh, you'll probably, or you'll certainly hear him on this show as well. I, uh, my, my background really is, is one, I do not have a great athletic background. I played football in college and semi-pro, although I didn't play in high school or peewee. I did wrestle uh, my senior year in high school. And that gave me just a little bit of a background to mess around with MMA. Other than that, you know, I really don't have much. A little bit of karate, not much, nothing to speak of. And from training in MMA and falling in love with jiu-jitsu, I ended up moving to Brazil after my Air Force career was over and um, getting to train with a real uh, jiu-jitsu team down there, Kimura Novinhal, in Natal, Brazil, and made many great friends many of which are great friends today, like Jussier and uh, now Claudia Gadelia. 
and uh, I expect that those two will be guests on this show as well as many others. Uh, I've had many coaches on, many journalists, greats like TJ DeSantis, Jordan Breen, Tristan Critchfield, uh, Jack Encarnacio. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a sure dog based guy, but you can expect to hear others as well as I as I progress and, and start to spread my tentacles a little bit throughout uh, throughout the, the sport again because of a lot of those contacts, you know, have kind of fallen by the wayside, but I will either get them back or make new ones. Um, so anyway, so that's me, and I'm currently a uh, three-stripe blue belt under Felipe Della Monica, Grace Baja. Get to train uh, with a lot of great guys. Uh, practice yoga a few times a week. I'm pretty beat up at uh, going on 50 years old in a couple weeks. And um, so therefore, I just kind of do the, the best I can at this point with what's left of my body. Certainly, uh, the football probably didn't do me any favors. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so that's me. Um, the show, I do have some unique takes. I'll give you just a little bit of a taste here as we sit on the precipice of UFC 209 with the tremendous feeling of loss that all of us have as Khabib, Habib Nurmagomedov has to go into the hospital due to complications with his weight cut and you are all already aware that he was hurt. Uh, through his weight cut, probably over dehydrated, and they did the smart thing and brought him to the hospital. And sadly, the the what could have been the fight of the year, um, though we're only in in March, um, did not materialize. And um, frankly, it was just the most compelling matchup on the whole card. Uh, Tyron Woodley and uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, notwithstanding. Um, Tony Ferguson, and uh, I had this debate with Larry Pepe, my friend from Pro MMA Radio. By the way, he has been on a number of times. He is probably the foremost expert, along with Ian Kidd of, uh, of, uh, um, of Bloody Elbow, who's, who's brilliant in his own right. Uh, Larry is probably the foremost expert on drugs in MMA and TUEs and PEDs and, and analyzing it all. And he is an attorney at law. And he also has a um, owns a supplement company himself, and he's uh, a clinical psychologist. So he's he's a brilliant man. Uh, we do disagree on the things, on a lot of things. He has been on my show many times in the past three years ago. He will be on this show, and probably will be in a regular segment where we argue that you guys don't get to hear called "Gloves Off." Um, there are times when I've been very right, and there's times when Larry's been very right. Uh, we have very different perspectives. I know a little bit more of the on-the-mat stuff, the training inside the cage stuff, and Larry knows a lot about a lot of things, and he certainly knows a lot about the mind. But we did disagree about Tony Ferguson going into this fight. He felt that Tony was very, very overconfident. I didn't. Um, I felt that Tony's F.U. attitude, his... Um, and I'm, I'm going to use some words, the fuck Khabib, and, and, and uh, I'm going to kick this guy's ass, and he doesn't have shit for me. That attitude is the proper attitude to have going into a fight 
with Khabib. That's not hubris. It's not overconfidence. Because if you think anything less, he's going to run you over like he's done to every single guy he stepped in the octagon with. So the only super interesting guy that he's fought has would have been Tony. And now it won't be. So we won't know whether Larry was right or I'm right until this fight materializes. Now if they try to make the fight for, what is it, going to be a fourth time now? Uh, I think this might be number four that they've tried to make this fight. I could be wrong. Uh, I know there was 2015, 2016, and now it's 2017, so at least it's going to be number four. But anyway, um, a brilliant matchup. I'm not going to go into wasting time breaking that down, except to say that I do think that Tony had the correct and proper mindset going into that matchup that you would need. Um, Some of the things that... um, that, that uh, I've talked about, like takes that I've had that perhaps you folks haven't heard, relative to Ronda Rousey. Um, I thought about a lot about Ronda, and I believe that I have a theory, and everybody get your, your tinfoil hat ready, uh, and your, your, uh, put the aluminum foil on there, and we'll try to bring in signals from Mars, but I believe that Edmund, though we think he's crazy, and we think he's an inept MMA coach, and he is, but as far as the crazy part, I think he's crazy like a fox, and what I mean when I say that is, I believe that Edmund Teraverdian knew all along that Ronda was a weak-minded fighter from a standpoint of being able to deal with adversity in training. Ronda herself has chronicled for us things like when somebody threw me at high stand I'd cry and then this happened and judo training and I cried and a lot of her stories end with I cried and then you heard things like um, you know Brendan Schaub shared with us a couple of months ago that um, Rhonda was training at Dynamics MMA when she was dating Henry Aiken early in her UFC career she was sparring with the guy. The guy said Ronda was going really hard. I was kind of taking it easy. So I just popped a jab on her. I hit her in the nose. She took off her gloves. She started crying and she ran out of the gym and that was that. So all those things lead me to believe that and the sequestered training that you saw that she had up in Big Bear with Edmund lead me to believe um, I'm going to add another qualifier it was, you know, the, the, uh, NDAs, the non-disclosure agreements that Roxanne, uh, excuse me, Raquel Pennington and others were required to sign, tells you that they might see something in training that they didn't want disclosed. And I believe this is a crying and a quitting when something goes wrong. And that's exactly what we saw happen when she lost to Holly. Um, she quit, she took her ball, she went home, and there were a lot of things that led into that. I believe that there was too much hyperbole thrown at her that she was that she believed some of that was her coach telling her that she could have been a champion boxer and she was on the front cover of ring magazine and that she was dropping world champions in sparring and all these sorts of things and you couple that with joe rogan she's not once in a lifetime she's once ever those quote joe rogan and unquote that he said that ridiculous things Shab himself, uh, who I really admire and respect a lot for what he's done with his career. I have a great respect for Brendan Shab. But he said things like, 
she could beat male 135ers. I've seen her th toss around UFC fighters, men, uh, in the gym. She could throw Ian McCall. Ian McCall, quote, I think you'd be surprised, unquote, which Ian McCall laughed at. All these sorts of things built up the story, not only in the minds of the mainstream media, who then the MMA media wanted to attack for saying that they were sold a bill of goods, which they were, um, and that's not to say that Rhonda isn't absolutely amazing, because she was, and to some degree is, but um, that even built it up in Rhonda's mind. I'm sure she heard these things. Joe Rogan fawning over her, nearly tearing up and crying during their interview at the Joe Rogan Experience, a show that I love. I also have enormous respect for Joe Rogan, but I got to call it like I see it, just like I'll call myself out on my own bullshit. I got to call out him, and I got to call out Brendan, and anybody is welcome to call out me when I'm full of shit, and, I'm, and I'll take it and I'll admit to it. But those guys didn't admit that they built her up to be bigger than what she really was. And I'm not saying that's what led to her falling, but I think that's where Edmund comes in. Edmund had to build her up to get her to go in there and fight. They didn't know, maybe, that she'd be able to get a hold of Holly and throw her, but, they, but he did know that she had this thing about crying and quitting. And I believe Edmund will interview, and this is the part of the take that you're not going to hear anywhere else, and I'm either going to look like a genius or I'll look like a fool, and only time will tell. Edmund will do an interview at some point. It may be two years from now. It may be three years from now. He may be out of the MMA coaching business by then. He may be bankrupt by then. Who knows? He may be just training boxers by then. I don't know what he'll be doing. I hope the best for Edmund. I have nothing against Edmund, and I have nothing against Ronda. But he will do an interview where he will tell you that he manufactured all of those things that you heard. And we already kind of know that, don't we? We already know that he said that she was take she was taking out championship boxers in training. And we know that's BS. We already know that he said that she could be a boxing world champion. And we know that that's BS because she has almost zero fundamentals. So she, as a lot of people say, she looks like someone who's hits, hit the bag and hit the mitts a lot, but not somebody who's sparred to that level. In any case... I believe he will say that he was protecting her and he built her up and built her up and built up her mind and her confidence to go in there and do the one thing that he knew that she could do, which was to clinch with somebody, throw them, and then get that amazing arm bar that she's so great at. And I still think she could outgrapple most of the girls in the division, if not all of them. Uh, so... That is essentially what I think he's going to say, that he was protecting her all along. Eventually, he will let the cat out of the bag, and he will tell us that that's what was happening, and that he knew it was a lie, and he said all those things to to build her up, and it worked. And then when she knocked out Betch Gohea, that really, that was what really kind of drove it over the edge, because then she really did think that she could be a championship boxer, and therefore... Um, that she could take out Holly Holm on the feed, and, and she was sorely mistaken. And Winkle John was totally ready for that. Okay, so that notwithstanding, you heard it here. Um, Edmund will do an interview telling that he was protecting Rhonda, and he lied to protect Rhonda to build Rhonda up 
and um, he knew that she couldn't spar in earnest in any big camp where he couldn't protect every round of sparring that she did. Um, so <clears throat> the USADA controversy is a note I wrote down. I'm not going to get too much into that because if you've been reading the work of uh, Larry Pepe or actually listening to Larry Pepe on Pro MMA Radio and you've been reading Ian Kidd on BloodyElbow.com or listening to Three Amigos uh, which is another great podcast they're going to tell you everything that you need to know and um, it's all ridiculous so I, I'm not going to go into it too much further other than to say that um, you know I like all of you guys um, really think that Cyborg is amazing but there's there's a lot of questions to answer there and um, where I may diverge from those guys is I, I don't think that there's really a fair fight with her it looks to me like the things that she's done and whatever she's been using and I don't know what that is has changed her structure to a degree that she, if you look at the photo, and, and there was um, uh, a individual who posted a photo of her. I'm going to try to find him on uh, Twitter as we as we speak here, so that I can um, I can alliterate that for you. Um, there was a uh, gentleman on Twitter who posted a photo that I've never seen of Cyborg that showed her wearing a belt. Um, down in Brazil before she became famous. And let me see what this gentleman's name is. It is um, at Talk MMA. Hashtag Diz is what, but his name is at Talk MMA. Posted a photo that shows Cyborg from down in Brazil. It shows Cyborg in Strike Force when she, I guess, had been busted with the um, the uh, the actual steroid. And then it shows her um, at the UFC fight where she beat Leslie Smith. And um, the thing is, she looks a lot different. And you want to talk about putting in a girl with her like, um, what's her name? Uh, like a Cindy Dendois or um, that, that young lady. I don't even remember who that, that Muay Thai fighter was that they brought in there with her. Or Leslie Smith. And they just don't look like they have the same structure as she does and there's some evidence to suggest that as Ro Rogan has said and Larry is not sure that he agrees with me on this that when you take those kinds of drugs that it will stay in your body for a long period of time and and that you will always have those that ability to gain muscle I don't know she certainly doesn't look like the other women in the division whereas at one point in her career she did look like those other women and everybody's lifting weights and everybody's training so I don't understand even Amanda Nunes who is a very physical specimen doesn't look like Cyborg so I, I don't know she's a, a fascinating character she really got off Jeff Nowitzki needs to explain what he was doing in a hotel room with Neil uh, Ian McCall administering IVs and things like that unless it was an emergency, and so there's a lot of a lot of things that are issued there. And ultimately, Leota Machida got screwed, and um, and Chris Cyborg didn't. And the USADA rule isn't really a rule at all, uh, at least as written by the UFC, and at least as it's diverged from the WADA code as it was written, and as it pertains to other athletes governed by USADA. Um, Maya deserved to be in this fight. 
Um, I don't think it should be Tyron and Wonderboy, though it was inconclusive last time. I believe, well, at least by the judges, I believe Tyron won the fight. And I believe there was a 10-8 round there when he grounded and pounded Wonderboy. And I think Wonderboy is amazing, but he could have taken another fight. It could have been a Jorge Masvidal, could have been whoever. And then I believe that uh, Maya should have gotten his shot. And then with one win, Wonderboy is right back in there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think Damian Maya and folks like Jose Aldo got screwed. Damian Maya got screwed. Fabricio Verdum got screwed because he said something about Reebok, which could have easily been rectified and he could have been fined or something by the UFC. Um, anything like that. But instead, he lost his job at UFC Deportes, whatever the, um, the Spanish version of the UFC um, network was, that's fine, and then you didn't let him fight Miocic, which he deserved, and uh, it's kind of sad, so a lot of Brazilians, I think, are kind of getting hosed here, um, okay, weight division destruction uh, has been averted, but, um, well, I say that, but now things are in flux again, as, as Michael Bisping is going to fight GSP, he promise, promises to turn around, after six weeks and fight Romero if he's healthy but when you look at what Bisping looks like after some of these fights and the way he marks up I don't think a doctor is going to clear him to fight six weeks later and nobody asked that question at the press conference today I don't see any way if George with his jab I don't see any way that Michael Bisping is going to be cleared by a doctor to even train uh, six weeks after that fight It'll be a minimum, probably, of a 30 to 60 to 90 day suspension, at least. So I don't know how he plans on fighting Yoel Romero and then going in there and getting knocked out if he's not supposed to train. So um, so I spoke of the gloves off section. Uh, excuse me, the, the uh, glove, gloves off uh, that I'd like to do with Larry Pepe. And that'll be basically something that Larry and I have been arguing about on a different topics that we'll argue about on a weekly basis we'll have some rules so that he doesn't shout over me because that's what he's been doing lately he'll basically like keep talking and he'll hear me want to get in there and he just won't stop talking so we'll have some time limits maybe we'll have some buzzers and we'll have a brilliant lawyer and a brilliant mind against me however great <laughs> however unfair that might be um, we'll do that now, but, um, you know, I, I feel uh, competent to defend myself against Larry, as bright as he is, um, and and I will give you guys a take that I think a lot of you will like, and some of you guys will agree with Larry's take, um, and, and we'll, we'll pick some good topics. I, I hope to get some skills breakdowns by Schwan Humes of uh, MMA Ratings. I'm going to talk to him. He's a new friend of mine, and I think he's a brilliant mind when it comes down to breaking down really the striking aspect of MMA, very much like a Conor Rebush or a Patrick Wyman. And it's and I'm going to also shoot for those guys as well and try to get those guys on and Breen on. And and, and we'll hopefully we're going to get some great guests. Um, I'm not afraid to dial anybody's number and try to get him on my show and... I have never had a guest. I would book a guest for 20 minutes, and then I'd get to the 20-minute mark, and they would always want to stay, or they would do longer. Um, 
and so I've never had a guest that I even I remember having Johnny Hendricks on, and I probably did forty minutes with Johnny Hendricks, but um, I've never had a guest uh, on that didn't want to stay longer and didn't want to come back again. Basically, if they don't want to come back on your show, then you know that um, you didn't do such a great job. So. Um, we will bring you insightful questions. Um, I am planning on, in this is uh, next episode, I'm going to have Brent Littell of Gracie Baja come on. Brent is the only guy, I believe, in the world who has a black belt under Eddie Bravo in the 10th planet system, and then he came over to Gracie Baja, put the gi on, and got a 10th, excuse me, got a uh, black belt under uh, Felipe de la Monica, via um, Carlos Gracie Jr. Um, Brent is not only hilarious and had the funniest black belt speech I've ever heard in my life, he is a, a very, very smart guy when it comes to BJJ and MMA. So we will have some BJJ guys on. We will clearly mark that in the show notes so that if you don't want to hear uh, particularly uh, a BJJ uh, heavy episode, um, then you won't have to, but MMA is my passion too, and I'm going to talk that first and foremost, and that will be the bulk of everything that happens on here will be MMA, but we, we will do a little bit of BJJ when I think somebody's interesting. Somebody who's just like a rock, who has nothing interesting to say about anything, and they're great at BJJ, they're not going to be on. Um, also, I'm planning on, uh, for an episode at the very end, I'm going to bring on an 11-year-old girl named Carissa Koreshi. And Carissa um, just started competing against boys in gi tournaments last weekend. Ran through a boys division at a Gracie tournament on uh, Saturday. Went to San Diego in an open tournament. Ran through a no-gi and a no-gi and a gi bracket in one day and has turned from a beautiful little sunflower into the predator I'm calling her now and so I just want to ask her a couple of questions and and get her on air for maybe a minute or two and and um, and see what it feels like and what metamorphosis may have occurred in her that turned her into from this kind of good athlete grappler into this super aggressive person Anyway, folks, um, I want to thank you for just tuning in. Again, my name is DJ San Marco. It is MMA, BJJ, and life. I've been playing this for a long time, and um, I finally, you know, it, 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 it's difficult to go off air and come back on air, and, um, and finally I've done it, and, um, and I hope to bring you great content. I can guarantee you what I, I can't, guarantee you're gonna love my show the most there's so many great shows out there when i started podcasting in 2010 there were not a lot of mma podcasts out there and a lot of mma shows so i consider myself one of the ogs um not you know i'm not calling myself tj desantis i'm not calling myself sure dog i'm not saying i'm on that level i'm saying that i had a show way before many people had a show that have great shows now. Obviously, Ariel has a great show. Luke has a great show. A lot of people have um, great shows. But I was doing this um, for a long time, and uh, and I started doing it, um, you know, nearly not quite seven years ago. But um, I know what I'm doing. I do have a unique perspective, and I'm not going to bring you 
the same stuff that everybody else is bringing you and the same opinions that everybody else is bringing you. I'm going to bring it to you straight. I'm going to tell you what I really feel. I'm not going to attack anybody and try to be a hot take jackass and try to make a name off of saying bad things about people. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. I'm going to be right a lot of the time. Sometimes I'm going to be wrong. And when I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. And when I'm a jackass, I'll call myself a jackass. So, but I'm very good at what I do and I'm good at interviewing and I'm good at getting inside stories and finding an angle that other people didn't find and I'm good at asking questions that I think everybody wants to hear that when you listen to an interviewer and you say, damn, why didn't that person ask that question? I'm going to ask that question. You need not worry. So, thank you very much. Uh, my phone is blowing up this time of night. Um, thank you very much for listening in. Once again, I'm DJ San Marco, and the next time you hear this, um, I will be recording. It will be Brent Littell of Gracie Baja, and we're going to break down what happened at UFC 209. We'll probably do a post-fight on that. We'll probably talk about Tony and Khabib and what might have been a little bit, and we're also going to bring you a little Carissa Qureshi who is a little genius and one of the sweetest things I've ever seen that uh, has um, turned herself into a little jiu-jitsu monster from a, uh, a ballet dancer. So, um, so I'll talk to you down the road very shortly. Thank you, be safe, and thank you again for tuning in. I really appreciate it.